Hello and welcome to this episode of the Sports Council Podcast. I am your host Matt and I am joined by Bryant and Vivek for this episode of the show. After one of the craziest runs in NFL history, the San Francisco 49ers season has come to an end. We are here today to review the Niners season as a whole and their final game of the season. We'll then look ahead to the offseason and what moves the Niners need to make to stay in championship contention. Finally, we'll address the biggest elephant in the room, who starts at quarterback in 2023. Today is January 31st, 2023, and this is the 95th episode of the show. Well, I didn't want to do this episode, um, obviously today, which because that just means the season is over. So I'm a little bit bummed out to say the least. Um, but I know y'all, all of you are Niners fans here. So um, it's a collective depressing episode today. I think you could tell that we're all completely bummed out because in the run up <laughs> to this, no one just said anything. It was just like just an air of despair in the waiting room. <laughs> so I, think that kind of, yep. I can't wait <laughs> for a story to tape right there. To be an allergy. Yeah, we're just lamenting um, the whole season. What could have been? Honestly, I'm still kind of in denial that the whole NFC Championship game happened. Just try not to think about it. It's easy to do that, I think, especially how this game went. Um, and I know all the haters that are going to listen to this episode, haters and Niners, haters of us maybe. I don't know the what Eagles we did to fans, deserve haters. <laughs> Eagles fans, yeah. Um, I'll say this. Yeah, no, we got I'll get in trouble. But um, I don't know. I've never seen such sore winners after a game. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about that maybe later. But... You know, either way, um, just an overall recap of the season before we get into the NFC Championship game for a second. Just to put some perspective of the Niners 2022-23 season as a whole, um, obviously the Niners came into the season fresh off an NFC Championship loss, and they had Trey Lance starting at quarterback. They weren't able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, so he stuck around as a backup on a reworked deal, and... Trey Lance was projected to be the starter. He started two games before he broke his ankle in week two, and he was out for the season. And you think that the Niners season's then there? No, because Jimmy G becomes the backup, who becomes now the starter again, and promptly the Niners go three and four. But then the Niners trade for Christian McCaffrey, and he becomes a huge midseason acquisition because after that, they begin a 12-game win streak and then get to the second seed of the playoffs. But... Obviously, more chaos occurs because Jimmy G breaks his foot against the Dolphins in Week 13, and now you got the third-string quarterback Brock Purdy starting at quarterback now. But there's nothing to fear because Purdy goes 5-0 and in his uh, starts in the regular season, helps lead the Niners to get the number two seed again, and then he beats the Seahawks and the Cowboys in his first season as a rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant himself. But unfortunately, they lose to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, 31-7. Brock Purdy gets hurt on the first drive of the game, and he can't throw anymore. And uh, it was reported afterwards, uh, yesterday actually, that he suffered a completely torn UCL in his throwing arm, and it will be a six-month recovery. So um, it's a roller coaster of emotions, to say the least, for the entire season as a whole. 
the NFC Championship game especially. What are your thoughts on the game, first of all, um, before we head on to a review of the season? I don't know what to say. I watched, well, the first kind of three quarters of the game over there, and then you could clearly tell, you know, as soon as Purdy gets hurt, like the wind is just taken out of the Niners' sails over there. It all starts kind of crumbling down from there. It's like the team kind of realized, you know, once the leader goes down there, we're down to the four string, and that's 36-year-old Josh Johnson, been on 14 yeah. NFL teams. He's He clearly, and you could tell looking to the guy's eyes at the game, he wasn't ready. He was he was he should be sitting on a couch in retirement watching this game. And he I was agree. thrust out there pretty clear that in such a, in the NFC Championship against the first seed Eagles team, you need to bring your best. And there's just no way for the Niners to bring their best without, you know, a competent quarterback there. And then without the offense being able to move the ball, the defense had to shoulder all of the load. Quite a few, you know, bad penalties hurt the Niners greatly there, and then it just kind of snowballed. Um, Eagles just kind of snowballed it from over there to discipline, kind of got lost a bit. And then when you lose, like, I think the Niners lost the time of possession battle by an entire quarter. Like, there's just hmm. no way you can win under those conditions there. It was hard to watch, quite frankly. After Brock Purdy went down, you just watch the game out of morbid curiosity, and you understand that essentially it's curtains, you know. When the leader goes down, like Bryant said, it's really hard to put in Josh Johnson, a guy who hasn't even taken snaps for the past few years in an official NFL game. And you can clearly tell that Johnson was kind of in over his head, but that's to be expected, you know, he's the fourth string. And... It was just tough to watch overall, but I think that the Niners' defense played pretty admirably. You know, penalties aside, Christian McCaffrey did his best to try to put the team on his back, had a great touchdown run. But all things considered, I really think that you could see the inherent talent and ability of the Niners in that game, even though Brock Purdy went down and kind of precluded any chance of them winning the game. So I think it's a pretty strong testament to the Niners' resilience, even though at that point, it was pretty clear that the writing was on the wall regarding the outcome of the game. So, all in all, you couldn't even call the game at this point. It frankly just felt like being like Alice in Wonderland. You know, you're in this wacky world where you're just basically in a funhouse dimension where everything that kind of could go wrong did go wrong. You know, the injuries to... Um, there was that one worry about Bosa and Warner too. You know, that also played a pretty big role and even though they did come back in the game those are all factors that you know really shows the time and treat story of the Niners which is that injuries just happen and they happen at the most inopportune times I think that's a pretty good point that you brought up there like just the whole um everything that could go wrong did go wrong because that's exactly what you happen you know from the get-go like the Purdy Warner Bosa kind of hurt injuries that was like in the first few minutes of the first quarter, like that first quarter dragged on forever because of yeah. all the crazy injuries, the crazy plays going on over there. I also feel like in hindsight, they're like starting to already like micro analyze every aspect of the game. Like, Oh, why did, uh, why did Shanahan have a backup tight end trying to uh, block for Haskins over there? Or why didn't we challenge that first Devonta Smith touchdown here? Or like you know, all those little flags here and there, you know, every little part of the game, I think, as a Niners fan in hindsight, you might be like, 
prone to uh, overanalyze there. Yeah, and I get to those in a moment. Um, I just want to talk about the overall game for a second. Um, listen, if Purdy goes down, like that's it, right? You and when Johnson went down in the second half, I mean, it was pretty much over at that point. But come on, man! Like I've seen a lot of crazy assumptions out there, right? And obviously, you know, we talk about Josh Johnson. He wasn't ready to be out there. He shouldn't really be rostered in the NFL. I agree. Honestly, like, I expect a backup quarterback. Like, when I expected Brock Purdy to come in for Jimmy Garoppolo, he was the last pick in the draft. He was a rookie quarterback. And he was already thrust into this impossible situation of maintaining a playoff caliber team. And he did, and he exceeded expectations. And maybe that's why we put such rose-colored glasses on, because we kept saying everything is fine, basically. Like, any backup can come in here and do that. Well, Josh Johnson clearly couldn't do that. And, you know, that's a testament to Purdy, as well as an indictment on Johnson. Josh Johnson, like, obviously, you can't expect him to make magic out there, but what I do expect him to do is hold on to the ball. Right, and don't make stupid plays. Don't take sacks, like unnecessary sacks. He did literally all those. He, I think there's a time where he had more negative plays than really positive plays. If he threw the ball into the ground three times, I think, you know, we would have fared out better in this game, honestly. There were, like, shots of the camera where you could see, like, the whites of his eyes. There was, like, oh, his hands are shaking. Probably contributing to why he dropped, like, a snap over there, which pretty much kind of sealed the game, kind of. Um, I was, yeah, you can drop the snap. I want you to fall on it, though. I felt like he did a Cam Newton in the Super Bowl where he didn't fall on it for a second, and that was just, that that made me tear my hair out, honestly. Like, (laughs) it's just a very basic thing that you should, a 10-year veteran should know what to do. Like, I just expect a little bit more of the fundamentals. Just, like, don't screw up, and he, he couldn't do that. So I'll put a little bit of the blame on Johnson. Obviously, it's an impossible situation, but he just didn't make it very good. I think that he just had a general lack of composure that comes with him not necessarily anticipating the moment. As a backup, you obviously should have the mentality that there's going to be a next man up and your number can get called at any given second. But to have this happen so early in, you know, what happened to Brock in the first quarter... And, you know, Johnson having to come in and step up right after, you can kind of tell that the moment was a little bit too big for him. And I think that is a bigger testament to, um, you know, Purdy for him being able to do that so well, filling in for Jimmy Garoppolo when he had to step up in the Dolphins game. So I think that it kind of goes to show what it means to be a quarterback, especially coming up from a backup situation. Yeah. Either way... He he should be unemployed. <laughs> so Josh Johnson, he's a person that's been on teams mainly for his leadership ability. Um, according to other teams and their reports on him, he's kind of just a locker room guy. So that's kind of the reason why I believe that they signed him. But I think that you want an actual playable quarterback, not necessarily one for camaraderie. I get that he's like the fourth string, and you know he became the third string once. You know Trey Lance went on the IL. And everything kind of got well, shifted okay. up one spot. He he actually he was signed after Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt, so I questioned Shanahan a little bit here when he decided to sign Josh Johnson, but 
you can't question it too much. He's a fourth string quarterback, right? Yeah. There's not really any available unless you were going to claim Baker Mayfield, then you couldn't even do that because the Rams had waiver priority and they claimed him, right? There is not a lot of great options out there. But either way, I just don't see Josh Johnson getting another job like this <laughs> just because of how he performed, right? And I I don't want to I don't want to harp too much on him, obviously, but I'm just saying that, you know, I think he was he could have done a little bit better, but you know, yeah last bit well in the most remote defense of josh johnson there was that moment right where the niners scored the touchdown and it was seven seven we're like holy crap wait a second there's there's a chance we actually scored there's that like five minutes of hope before it all kind of went down from there and then credit to purdy too for you know pretty much forced to to step back into the game he actually threw i think he was four for four technically 100 percent pass success he even threw a couple passes after his injury too just like and you could tell his arm he has no juice on it the was ball, shot trying his best to just throw his arm down there too so credit to purdy for stepping up and big time there but yeah josh johnson last bit about him i mean like there's a reason he's the king of all journeyman quarterbacks there's a reason you know you don't want your journeyman quarterback typically starting because this guy's been in like the XFL, UFL, I think like all the NFL spinoffs over there too. So he's definitely been around the block a few times, but that doesn't mean you want him out on the field in the NFC Championship game. <laughs> yeah, and then when he got hurt, and then literally like there's no healthy quarterback available, I saw a really dumb like take that said basically, oh, the Eagles have the most sacks in the NFL. Why didn't Kyle Shanahan have three quarterbacks active for the game? And I'm like, that's just a very hindsight like take right there. Because first of all, not a lot of teams have three quarterbacks active for the game. Secondly, you don't expect two of them to get hurt in the game. Finally, what do you think that third quarterback is going to do that the other two quarterbacks weren't able to do out there? Right. Let's say we signed, I don't know, like Nate Sudfeld, right? Because mm-hmm. he was a former Niner backup as well. Purdy beat him out for the job. Like, what do you think Sudfeld's going to do out there that's going to win this NFC Championship game? When you lose two quarterbacks in a single game, you are done. <laughs> you are done, my friend. It's time to pack it up and go home, right? Because, like, that's why, you know, it's hard to, I guess, it's a hard pill to swallow for Niners fans because, you know, I feel legitimately like the Niners had a shot in this game. And I thought that the defense, this is probably one of the best defensive performances, like, or just overall the season. I know they kind of broke down at the end of this game here, but that was, they were really holding Jalen Hurts and the Eagles down for like the first quarter and a half. And then it was going to be a 14 7 game. If the Niners just ran out the ball in the, uh, at the end of the first half, instead of having that fumble, it would be a one-possession game heading into halftime with Purdy out and Josh Johnson in. Like, that's pretty remarkable for D'Amico Ryan's unit right there. So, credit to them. But obviously, Brian, you said that they were out there for a whole quarter more than the Niners' offense was out there. Obviously, that's going to break down a defensive stamina. This is a really all-gas-no-breaks defense, so they're going to tire pretty quickly if they have to keep running plays out there, right? And they still, the Eagles still only averaged like 3.4 yards per carry in the run game. So, you know, I I heard all about, oh, you know, they put up 31 points on the Niners' vaunted number one defense, right? And they rushed all over them. They had so many rushing touchdowns. Yeah, but 
eventually the Niners defense is going to tire because there's no offense out there. And I feel like they did a pretty good job regardless. But, you know, that's just all water under the bridge at this point, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I, I just want to clear up a couple more kind of misconceptions about this game because I, I've been seeing a lot of very bad takes recently. And what I hate about sports uh, talk, especially on sports Twitter, especially is that there's just a very high propensity for the same take to be repeated over and over again, despite there being no real context behind it. And then people just generally accept it as a narrative of the game. And obviously that's why we as a podcast, we try to explain more about you know the sport itself, anything that we uh, feel like needs more context to be explained about. So, I mean, and I feel like I'm going to be pretty biased with these explanations here because obviously I am. So take <laughs> it as you will. Um, I mean, Wait, you're telling me that sports Twitter and short takes are not the epitome of sports discourse? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Crazy, you know, man. LeBron is the worst player of all time. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else am I seeing? Uh, Shoro, Goat, Onsen, <laughs> Curry's a fraud. Yes. Curry's a fraud, yeah. No peg leg really. was carried by the refs. <laughs> but, um, so, I just want to point out the first thing is that, you know, why did Kyle Shanahan have Hassan Redick be blocked by a tight end, in uh, a backup tight end at that, in Tyler Croft? You know, the context of that play is that it was a play-action pass, and that when you are trying to sell the play action, you're trying to run basically, I, I think it was to your left at that point, right? So if you're running to your left, then all the offensive guards and tackles, they're all trying to shift to the left here, right? So that leaves Redick one-on-one versus the backup tight end, right? Because he's supposed to believe that they're shifting to the left, so he has to go to the left to get uh, the running back here, right? So, but... Reddick just read it perfectly. He knew it was a pass, right? Purdy, you know, if he just got that ball off 0.5 seconds earlier, and I'm not going to blame Brock Purdy for his own injury, but I'm just saying that, you know, if he had thrown that quicker, this wouldn't be a discussion at all, and we wouldn't care if Kyle Shanahan had Tyler Croft block uh, Hassan Reddick on that play. It was just supposed to be a play-action pass, and they have to sell the run, so they have to make it look like they wouldn't block Reddick for pass protection play, right? So then that's why you had Tyler Croft one-on-one versus Reddick. Like, that's that's kind of like the gist of it. And you can go to um, Joe Thomas on Twitter. He pretty much broke it down as well. And people are questioning, why don't you have Kittle then block Hassan Reddick? Because Kittle is supposed to be out wide, and he's supposed to be out trying to receive that pass, right? You don't want your best passing option or receiving option blocking, right? And people always complain about him always blocking, right? I think the other thing, particularly about that play too, is like I think people are focusing on that because you know that's a play that you could honestly say is a turning point because you know Purdy got hurt and is out of the game. It's a whole different yes. ball game from there. But like, like what was the? I mean, Purdy fumbled the ball. Eagles recovered. Eagles didn't even get any points off of that. They got a three and out over there. So the ramifications, it's not like they scored a touchdown, like a long touchdown after that. They didn't even get points off of that over there too. So I personally 
think that play maybe that's one of the ones that you know they're over analyzing a lot but it's like i think the bigger the biggest part of that play is you know purdy getting hurt on it <laughs> and you know that's just part of like kind of the game itself you know riddick of course you no know, it's just freak accident over there too um i guess like yeah it's, it's the play that purdy got kind of hurt on i think that's why it's the main focus of it but in terms of like the ramifications of it it resulted in eagles punt off of that too yeah and then there's another one where they said why didn't they just have wildcat they didn't just prepare wildcat with christian mccaffrey or kyle use we saw christian mccaffrey throw a touchdown pass <laughs> in the really that would work <laughs> yeah like dude like christian mccaffrey got off the plane on week seven right and then he had to learn all the niners run plays which is a lot because niners have so many crazy run plays you think he like spent some time in the quarterback room too off that right and when you run a wildcat play i remember they were talking about um after you know the christian mccaffrey trick play that resulted in that uh, passing touchdown they said they practiced that all week before the rams game right if you don't have that already practiced and prepped up and you don't have Christian McCaffrey taking snaps at quarterback during practice, then he is not going to be ready. He is not going to do anything better than Josh Johnson was going to do out there, right? So it really just made no sense whatsoever. Like, And, you know, maybe you say, oh, why doesn't Christian McCaffrey then practice it in practice? Because that's so useless, right? It's like <laughs> anticipating like, oh, you know, uh, I'm going to have two of my quarterbacks get hurt in this game. I better prepare Christian McCaffrey just in case both my quarterbacks get hurt, and then I still need to win when I'm down by, like, 20, right? At that point, you know, you kind of just call it. Because, again, once Purdy went down, this game was practically over. There's no, like, people said the Niners don't have a plan B if Purdy went down. Purdy is plan C, man. He was plan (laughs) C. Like, what do you want us to do? Have a perfect plan D to get to the Super Bowl? It's just, it's a really bad hand that Kyle Shanahan was dealt. And it's just really unfortunate because this is a really good team. And, you know, you want to be mad about it because it's a missed opportunity. And uh, if there's anything Niners fans know, um, we have a lot of missed opportunities out there. This one just feels so much different because you you can't see it play out. You can't see it play out in a fair hand where Purdy was healthy or even Josh Johnson was healthy for all four quarters of the game and you actually had a chance to pass right so you know you're always going to wonder what if we actually had a chance in this game like you could lose fair and square 20 to 23 or even if they blew us out 31-7 with Brock Purdy completely healthy you accept it you're sad about it but you accept it that you know you gave it your best shot but you just never had a shot in this game and that's what's disappointing there's no closure, and that's the biggest thing about this whole situation. That's going to leave many fans feel as if there's unresolved issues, which is that we don't really get to see a full game play out. There wasn't any ability for both teams to play at an acceptable level in terms of healthiness, right? Because like we were talking about before, when Purdy goes down, it's wraps right there. So there's always going to be that hanging cloud, and I can imagine that many Niners fans are... We were just quick to point fingers, but I think it also it's a fruitless prospect because what can you really do? I think that, like you were saying, Matt, it's kind of unreasonable to have Christian McCaffrey take snaps at a uh, quarterback for practice 
throughout the week leading up to the NFC Championship game. That's like saying, you know, you have... And he didn't even f- practice, right? He had the calf injury, right? So yeah, he that's also true. Practice. His status was questionable coming into this game. It's like, you know, when you have a car and all four tires of the car are suddenly bursted. And then you're basically saying, carry four more tires in the trunk. Like, at a certain point, you have to be reasonable about what you <laughs> yeah. can actually do. That's a really good metaphor, honestly. Yeah, I'm just taking kind of like the nihilist take on it. Like, there's just nothing that can be done, you know? Just part <laughs> of the sport. People get injured. I mean, like, the whole McAfee, oh, I mean, I was honestly too. It's like, oh, it, I think it's like, it's pretty cool. It'd be pretty funny to watch McAfee or Kyle Juice take, take snaps and play quarterback. But in reality, no, that's not going to work. We saw what happened to what? Hamler for the Broncos uh, back in the day. Kendall Hinton. Kendall Hinton. Kendall Hinton. Kendall Hinton, not Hamler. Kendall Hinton there where that guy played quarterback in college and he got this, I mean, he played admirably, but he stood no chance out there. McCaffrey <laughs> he, is completed the, a, he completed, he completed one, pass. one pass. One pass. <laughs> he completed one pass yeah. and like two interceptions. Look, McCaffrey is a running back, you know. I think they were saying that if you run the Wildcat, there's only like 15 plays you could, different plays you could run, all of them being run. Versus an Eagles team that's best in the league in rushing or something like that. Like, Passage, yeah. yeah. Pat, they know what you're going to throw at them. And it's kind of just game over there. Yeah. Imagine Kendall Hinton now in the NFC Championship game against the number two defense in the league. Right. With the best pass rush basically in the NFL. Like you are you're pretty much screwed. And like Viv said, you have four tires blown out. And it's like they said the Eagles outlapped us. Yeah, that's true. We don't have any tires left, man. It's over. Like, the race is due. Call it. And then you have the Eagles fans celebrating, oh, yeah, we won the big race versus a car that doesn't have any tire- <laughs> tires that just broke at the start. The, of the Niners race. are basically a lemon car at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'll give props to the Eagles. Um, you know, the number one seed. They're a very talented team. Congratulations on the Super Bowl. I won't be very sour if you guys, like, you know, you just got to hand it to them. They had a good season, and maybe that will progress into the Super Bowl. We'll see. But, I mean, for Niners fans, again, like, that's why I've, like, I've been known on the podcast to be a little bit pessimistic about the Niners. It's just because, you know, we've seen this play out so many times before. Like, at least in our lifetimes, We've seen the Niners go to the NFC Championship game six times, none of which resulted in uh, championships, right? And especially with these Niners. Like, you know, most teams' fans, they get depressed because their team just sucks or they keep getting injured. You know, we kind of have a little bit of both in between. But I feel like, you know, when the worst pain for Niners fans is that we get so close and we start to hope that, you know, this is finally the year. But then right when you're about to believe again, right? Even after we had Jimmy G come in and start to do good, like Trey Lance was done and then the season's over week two. But then hope reigns anew again because Jimmy G starts playing fantastic. He has a career year and then you're like, oh, maybe. And then he gets hurt. And then Brock Purdy comes in. Somehow he becomes a sensation and you don't want to believe it because you've been burned so many times before. But then when you keep seeing this happen, you're like, maybe, maybe this time it's the year. And then bam, it's over. 
and it just completely hits you like a freight train. Like it's the hope that kills you, honestly. In this, like it's always been. There's a Ted Lasso quote you know, back there. Yeah, it's always <laughs> been like. Once you start to believe, that's how Niners pain begins, right? Like it's like when Charlie Brown is trying to kick that football, and Lucy, like the NFL is Lucy. He's, they're just holding that Super Bowl right there, and they're <laughs> waiting for you to get it, and then they pull it from you at the last second. Like that's how I feel. Like I even preconditioned myself this year. I was like, I think it's gonna be a rebuilding year with Trey Lance. We're gonna do decently. I don't want to have too high hopes for the season. Then we trade for McCaffrey. Then Jimmy G starts looking good. Then Brock Purdy looks good. And I tried to believe a little bit, and that's when it hit me. <laughs> well, It's well, like Matt. what that one park named after a certain president said. I think the quote goes, you know, you try so hard and you get so far, but in the end it doesn't even matter. And True. that's just kind of been the case over and over again for a while now. True. Well, Matt, I got one thing to say. Well, at least we're not... Cowboys fans, they've been doing the same believing in their team stuff for like 28, 38 years now at this point. And we beat at least we got playoff wins. <laughs> at least we got playoff yeah. wins. Like people say, oh, you know, Niners and the Cowboys, they both end up with the same result at the end. Well, at least I can go back on YouTube and look at my playoff wins uh, for my team without having to go to the 90s. All right. Yeah. So. <laughs> we can look at Dak Prescott throwing interception after interception, the most critical game of his career. I'd still literally take all of the injured quarterbacks over Dak and his contract right now. <laughs> Easily. I'm pretty sure ESPN makes like 60% of their revenue just from trashing the Cowboys too. So at least we ain't in that spot, right? Hell yeah. yeah. We, get our annual video. we get our annual video of Stephen A. Smith celebrating smoking a cigar in a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> smoking that Cowboys pack. All right, let's take a look here at the offseason for the Niners well it's going to be a pivotal offseason as always especially when you're in a championship window like them um, some of the key unrestricted free agents this offseason include Mike McGlinchey uh, obviously Jimmy Garoppolo Jimmy Ward Charles Amenehue their center Jake Brendel kicker Robbie Gould their starting free safety to Sean Gibson and then a couple of rotational defensive ends and Kerry Hyder and Samson Ebukam uh, their right guard Daniel Brunskill and then Emmanuel Mosley, who was their starting cornerback before he tore his ACL week six. So um, in terms of cap space, um, according to a couple of sources I've seen around, the Niners are projected about $19 million in cap room, but only with 34 players signed. Um, so once you get the top 51 adjusted, they'll probably have about $6 million under that uh, cap space. And that's including any carryover. So not a lot of room to work with, unfortunately. But obviously, they can rework some deals. Christian McCaffrey is probably one to look at because I think he's owed a couple, like maybe 12 or $13 million, I believe. So they might rework his deal. They might rework uh, Fred Warner's deal a little bit, right? They already uh, looked at Kittle and Williams last year, so I don't think that they're going to do it this year. But I think they're going to free up some cap space via some restructuring. I'm not privy to the details and I won't go over it too much, but let's just talk about what the Niners need to do heading into this offseason. Do you see any key free agents that they need to sign or re-sign? Um, what should they do in the draft? They have a lot of picks because of compensatory picks. Even though they traded a lot for McCaffrey and Lance, 
they got a lot of uh, compensatory picks because a lot of their staff has been hired, and they've uh, gotten some picks off that. Yeah, I was looking at, specifically looking at the draft part, like what pieces the Niners could get in the draft, and then I think I saw a list, like our earliest pick is going to be like round three, like 99 to like 101, like I think we have three picks in a row there, so Niners aren't going to get a pick until pretty late, or in the middle part of the draft, basically. Um, just taking a look around, checking out some uh, mock drafts, seeing you know, what kind of uh, areas we could get in the draft at that range there, so looking at in general for the draft free agency right clearly the offensive line is going to need help um the d-line as well could always get beefed up and then the secondary uh credit to lenore and war they did pretty well uh this year too but you could always use more depths at that often injured position over there <laughs> so when i was looking um right around the hundreds mark there i actually saw a pretty uh kind of familiar face actually so q blue kelly he uh, he's been a cornerback at Stanford. He was all Pac-12 um, second team there. And then I remember him because I remember when USC played them back in the day, uh, he actually held then star wide receiver Drake London to like four, to like 68 yards or something, which is quite impressive. So, you know, he's a Stanford recruit there. It'd be I could definitely see him, you know, potentially staying around the Bay Area, being picked up by the Niners there to beef up that secondary. So, you know... Q Blue Kelly there, that could be a name to watch come draft season. Um, another name I was uh, seeing around that area was uh, Derek Hall from Auburn. He's a defensive end player there. Could be really useful to have um, join the D-line over there. First team, all SEC. Uh, so clearly has the talent to perform at college football's most dangerous conference and then probably at the highest level too. So those are some honestly kind of uh, basic research names here. I'm I'm keeping my eye on come draft season there, beefing up the defense. Love the college football analysis here. That's why we have you on, man. <laughs> college football expert. I mean, looking at the free agents so far, I think the biggest one is probably going to be Mike McGlinchey. He's been the Niners' first-round pick. He was there starting right tackle. It's very debatable and controversial, perhaps, on whether or not... Um, they should keep him. I'm sure fans are dis divided because if you're not aware within the 49ers fan base, he's a little bit of a, um, you know, controversial topic because while he may be good in the run game, he is very bad in the pass game. He just, like, you can almost tell whenever a holding call is happening. Like, if you see a flag for holding, it's on Mike McGlinchey. If you see a false start, it's on Mike McGlinchey, right? It's like he, it's like... You know, he's just the scapegoat for all of the Niners' pain on offense. And I'm sure he's not to blame for everything, but maybe like 60% in my biased uh, opinion. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> but it's going to be hard because he's a decent right tackle and you don't see a lot of those hit the market. So, and the Niners, I just said, don't have a lot of cap space, so they might not be able to afford a better option than McClinchy. So, you know, I'm a little bit divided. I can see a path where they do re-sign him and it'll piss off a lot of people i might be pissed off as well depending on the numbers they give him but uh if it has continuity at the position uh, you know we'll see i think jimmy ward versus um tashawn gibson i think jimmy ward's gonna walk probably because i think he's finally gonna get his big deal and then they're gonna replace him with gibson who 
filled in at free safety when Ward got hurt and then did so well that Ward became the slot cornerback. Um, so I think they're going to re-sign Gibson because he's going to be easier to re-sign. He'll fill in that free safety. Um, I mean, the defensive ends, I don't think they're really going to, you know, unless they can get him back for cheap, I don't think that they are too pressing of an issue, especially with the cap space, especially when you have to re-sign Nick Bosa to a huge, huge, huge deal. You're trying to save every penny you can, so they might look to the draft, like Bryant said with that. Um, yeah, and then I think Robbie Gould will probably be re-signed. Emmanuel Mosley might be able to get come back for cheap because of the injury. So, you know, not a lot of um, free agents here, but I do think that the number one thing that the Niners need to address this offseason is especially offensive line. We, like, there's not a lot of, like, talent deficiencies. That's why they were a Super Bowl contending team because this was a super talented team on a lot of facets, right? We're good at linebacker. We have a star defensive end. You know, we have great players at running back, wide receiver, tight end. Right, quarterback. We'll talk about later. Obviously, we got Trent Williams at left tackle. Like, there's a lot of talent on this team, but I think if you can point to one weakness, it would be in the trenches, right? Because as the Eagles have shown, you could never have too many players in the trenches on defensive line that can stand out. And the Niners have a lot of good ones, but as you saw, Charles Amani Hughes leaving, uh, Kerry Hyder might be leaving, Samson Ebukam might be leaving. So you need to bring up that uh, pass rush depth, and then you also need to probably get some defensive tackles that are a little bit better against the run. Obviously, you know, the Niners have a really good rush defense, but you could always use more bodies in there. And then um, while the offensive line is pretty good in the run game, they are not a pass-blocking team. And I don't think that is necessarily their fault because Shanahan obviously has a say in personnel and who he's looking for at these positions. So maybe he chose to favor run blocking over pass blocking because they don't pass as much as they run. But it would be really good if we could get both. Just saying. Just saying. Like, it would be nice. I think Aaron Banks, the left guard, is fine. But then the right guard, um, Spencer Burford, he'll probably stay there if they can't find any options. It would be great to have someone at center to be even better than Jake Brendel because he was struggling at the beginning of the season and... um. You know, you never know. But I feel like there could be a chance to upgrade there for sure. Mm-hmm. Coming back in with some more college football type of how that could affect the Niners here. There was a name I saw around kind of that round three area, Luke Weipler. He is he was the center for Ohio State, which was a uh, CFP contender this season, 13 all Big Ten too. So if you're looking to the draft to help with the center, that could potentially be someone to target at that range over there. And also for the defensive end front, you know, you got three, um, three, of, your, uh, or th- three of your guys going on becoming free agents this season there too. So you're kind of left with who's left. Uh, Drake Jackson, who was a rookie this season <laughs> out of USC, of course, one of my top faves focusing coming to the season. And I think from his perspective, he definitely uh, he definitely got to play in a few games. He had an interception, a few sacks over there. But come the postseason, he basically was um, was a healthy, healthy scratch, scratch yeah. for yeah, he was a healthy scratch for every game over there. So it's probably 
maybe Shanahan was leaning more towards, you know, experience. Jackson, he's still working on his size. Maybe he wants him more beefed up over there. But I say Jackson certainly has shown a lot of potential this season. And as he gets, you know, stronger, uh, more adept at this position over there, he could definitely see him um, become maybe like a second string or something uh, come kind of next season. Definitely hope is that was the defensive end deficiency that might happen. I, I think he has a very good chance to replace Ebukam um, at defensive end. I think he was a healthy scratch due to his playing size. I think Shanahan favored more defensive tackles because all three of the offenses the Niners faced in the playoffs were very run-heavy, so you want big guys to plug up those holes inside. And Drake Jans- Jackson's a little bit undersized. He's more of a pass-rushing uh, specialist. So if he can bulk up a little bit, I think he is definitely who they envision pairing opposite Bosa on the other side. Um, and then watch out for Kalia Davis. Uh, I think he's from UCF. They drafted him last season. He spent the entire season basically on injured reserve, but I think that he is basically the heir apparent to DJ Jones, who was the nose tackle before, um, I think, last season, and then he departed in free agency. Um, Niners don't have really a replacement for him yet and davis could be that guy probably i completely forgot that we had that he was on the niners <laughs> i so, did too I, guess, I did too honestly. was he just hurt at the beginning of the season or like training camp I, or? he was already hurt in college so i think oh, they okay. kind of redshirted him this year interesting definitely another project to work on for the niners yeah any thoughts viv Far Mike McClinchy to the sun, man. <laughs> I think that this dude, like, I'm going to be one of those fans that just parrots the hot take and be a prisoner of the moment, but I think he's lost a lot of goodwill within the fan base. And while I do understand that he performs admirably well in the run-blocking scheme, this is pass protection and the pass blocking has just been abysmal. And although it's true that you can't point all your fingers and assign all of the blame to one person. You know, when there's smoke, there's fire. And Mike McGlinchey <laughs> has a lot of smoke around him. It's like a hot box car at this point with how much he's been catching sprays from other people. And, of course, it cro- crosses a line to the point where it becomes unfairly personal. But at a certain point, you just can't accept this level of performance for a long period of time. I think people have kind of deluded themselves into thinking that because there might not be a better option immediately available, that we have to be sort of content with the status quo and stick to mediocrity at best. And it kind of goes back to the whole Jimmy G argument too, with, you know, we can't find a better QB per se than Jimmy Garoppolo, so let's just go and stick with him. And then we do end up trading the first for Trey Lance, and the official reason that was given to that was injury and history and availability for Jimmy G, and that's really the only reason why. But I think underneath the hood, everyone kind of knows that, you know, trading for Trey was, you know, an option looking towards the future. We'll talk about the QB situation, I imagine, soon. But I think it's a similar situation here where we can't just accept what's happening right now. But I understand if the Niners do go for re-signing him. And I also wanted to shout out Jimmy Ward. I think he did a really good job this season showing off his versatility. And I imagine he's going to get a huge back because... He really played his heart out, especially when he had to move to the nickel. And I think Mosley should be re-signed too, for sure. 
Um, oh, yeah. He was playing really great until the injury. And I think that he was a very core part of the secondary. And also, just want to shout out Lenore too, uh, for while we're on that topic, because he and Ward played really great against the Eagles in the NFC Championship game. And while we finish talking about that, I just want to give them their flowers because they did a really good job. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lenore, we talked about it last episode. We were concerned he was a liability. And, you know, um, me and Bryant, we saw Lenore get head-topped in um, Week 18 against the Cardinals. Sure. And we were like, uh-oh, that's yep. concerning. He's the backup. <laughs> He's a second-year player. He has propensity to get burned, right? But the Niners did very well. And Lenore did very well this postseason. He had two picks, right? And, you know, you there's something there, right? And that's good to see. Um, he gets and, burned uh, often a lot in coverage, but I think that he sh- has shown some pretty good instincts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then um, another uh, name to note, Samuel Womack. He was also a rookie this year. He played in the preseason at the slot. Um, and he did pretty well, so people thought he would gonna he was gonna be the starting slot cornerback. Um, so maybe he becomes the new heir apparent. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be sad to see Jimmy Wood go. He was the longest tenured Forty Nine er, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I mean, I hope he gets. Uh, I hope for his future success anywhere he goes. Yeah, much respect to Jimmy Ward there. Um... I like to follow special teams players a lot, so I definitely <laughs> like Robbie Gould to stay with us. You know, he's been definitely was clutch uh, this season. Um, I think he's never um, missed in the uh, playoffs. Yeah, never missed in the playoffs. Had that uh, field goal for us to be able to beat the Raiders at the end of the season there too. So older guy, but you know he's come up clutch whenever we needed him so far. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if he had, we have the money, but I prefer to have him back. You don't get reliable kickers like that. Um, yeah, just ask the Buccaneers. Yeah. Like he's a player that increases your heart rate when you or watch him kick, you know. And I think that you want a guy like that in that situation, even though you might have to pay a little bit more for pretty penny than you would like. You know, mm-hmm. having someone with his experience and his veteran leadership is very crucial, especially at pivotal moments of the game. So, yeah, shout out Robbie Gold too. Yeah. Niners signed new kicker Brett Maher from the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> you know he is a free agent, <laughs> oh and he's probably cheap now. <laughs> the the extra point specialist for the Cowboys. Oh boy, yeah. I heard Jake Moody from Michigan is uh is a rookie. Oh, is uh he's declaring was, the draft. Moody so. was really good this season. Bailed out Michigan quite a few times, and then the Cardinals kicker. I'm blanking his name off the top of my head, but. That kid hit like a 62-yard field goal during in college. That's unheard of. So Who? a lot of Cardinals? interesting kicking talent. Cardinals. Uh... Sorry, uh, Stanford Cardinals. Oh, Stanford Cardinals. For college, okay. yeah. Or on kicker watch. <laughs> watch. Nah, 60 yards is crazy, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to quarterback watch here for a second. This oh, is God. a big one. This is a big one. Um, I'm sure the Niners, ugh, honestly, I really hate being on Twitter. Like, <laughs> especially <laughs> for, I, I, like, especially for sports, especially when it's your team, because I try to follow my team on Twitter. Uh, everyone does, right? And, but some of the things that get very popular and get, like, come up and show up in my feed, 
sometimes are just so annoying. You guys see in the middle of the season when um, that viral Niners tweet about Trent Williams tipping plays came out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Unfortunately. And started so much like bad discussion. Like that's how I feel about like, like, and then when the Trey Lance stuff happened last time, Trey Lance was announced as starter. There was just so much, um, you know, the lack of a better term, like throwing shit around basically. And you know, the guy hadn't even like played yet. And then you see, oh, Trey Lance was a name, a captain, right? Has he already lost the locker room? And then you see these clips of Trey Lance getting sacked in the Bears game and none of the offensive line comes to help him, right? And they're like, oh, you know, Trey, everyone obviously hates Trey at this point. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, we're we're not even close, right? We're not there yet. It's just a very reaction. I feel like we just have to react. We have to create a conclusion all too soon. When in reality, we just don't even know what's happening yet. I don't think Kyle Shanahan even knows what he's going to do at this position because right now, his three quarterbacks, like we all said, are injured. And no, we're not counting Josh Johnson in that equation, right? Like, Bro, Purdy has Josh Johnson is not a quarterback. He's a grifter. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Josh Johnson uh, is a retirement home. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. I wish I'm pretty sure a geriatric could have played better than Josh Johnson. But sorry, go off. <laughs> I wish Josh Johnson the best off the field. Um, I will say, during the game, if you went to his Wikipedia page, they were saying he went to Roblox City High School. (laughs) 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 They were changing it in real time, his high school. And his his position, you suck, or something like that. Jesus Christ. They were vandalizing him. But on the quarterback talk, how about we start with this? So I have a hot... A hot tip to drop here on the sports oh. console podcast regarding right. there's been there's been talk in the air about you know tom brady is a free agent can he will he come and play for the niners his hometown team growing up he went to uh school in san mateo i think nipro yeah. sarah yep for nipro sarah san mateo <laughs> yeah see he's a local kid so i i'm friends with someone who knows someone who's familiar with, like, Brady's inner camp, right? So basically a source out of New England. My friend was messaging me during the game, and he was saying, like, hey, you know, the idea of, you know, Brady going to the Niners, that's not a meme. Like, that's a very, very real consideration that the Brady camp is uh, considering over here, too. So I know there's a lot of talk about the Brady free agent to the Niners move. Is this our first uh, source? Is this our first Mm -hmm. rumor? Ooh, my guy was pretty correct too Uh, he was i remember when brady first retired he was messaging me like oh no don't be surprised if he comes back to like the game over there too he's not like fully fully retired yet and he was right brady did come back he's is still an nfl quarterback so i do trust my source here i'll say that if you're right about this (laughs) ooh, we better blow up we finna blow up out here (laughs) <laughs> call it now so tuesday january 31st 7 p.m pacific time we're calling it brady tom Deniers. brady's probably <laughs> listening to this right now and he's like who's the leak <laughs> we're gonna Amazing. get uh we're gonna get investigated by tom tb12 camp <laughs> tb12 camp all right well let's have this discussion then tom brady is he a viable option for the Niners right now. Purdy, let's go again to the quarterbacks on the roster. Purdy has a completely torn UCL. He's out for six months. Even, let's say, even if he comes back at the projected timeline, which 
as we've seen from many, many experiences as a Niners fan, that almost never happens. The projected timeline, usually you have to add a couple months to that, unfortunately. And then you have to readjust for rehab and, you know, just getting familiar with the throwing motion again and feeling comfortable with that arm. That's going to be so much work, right? It, you can't just, you know, it automatically heals and you're ready to go and you feel like the exact same. It's a psychological kind of element to that as well. So, you know, this is really going to mess up his development. He's not going to be ready for OTAs. He'll be maybe halfway into training camp, I'd say, at optimistically. So I feel like you just can't rely on that as well. And then, you know, you also have to obviously realize, and I love Brock Purdy, right? And I'm not going to disparage, you know, his eight-game like streak. But, you know, we also have to take it, you know, we've had this experience before. Jimmy G in 2017, he had a five-game win streak, and he looked like he was going to be like the heir apparent, basically. Colin Kaepernick took us to the Super Bowl after Alex Smith got concussed, right? And then, you know, he had a regression after that. So you have to be, especially with us, and again, it's the hope that kills you, you have to be a little bit wary, especially now with this UCL tear. It's a very career-altering injury. Make no mistake, the one last misconception I want to point out is that Brock Purdy could have come back in. I hope by now you all have realized that there is no way he should have come back into that game. And when he did, he's pretty much a fucking warrior, right? Don't test. Don't question his toughness. Just don't. Because I'm guaranteed you probably could not do the same thing. He's talking to yeah. you couch potatoes. How <laughs> will you suffer a career altering injury and go and run out on the field over there but and i'll say it i'll say it like i can't if i i tore my ucl out there i can't fucking throw i'm not gonna but i'm not the one saying that he should have come out there right like i i know that i can't do it like so why are you trying to question someone else trying to do it i think kind of along lines looking at the quarterback situation and kind of going back to the game again which you said our piece was but like i think the saddest part about the game is too because i feel like even if the Niners were blown out, you know, it was a full-force battle clash of Titans, the Niners were blown out badly, I think Purdy already secured his kind of, like, initial kind of legacy, if you will, too, in that, you know what, hey, maybe he lost this game, but he is Mr. Relevant, last pick of the draft, young guy, 23, rookie quarterback, won an eight-game, or uh, seven-game, I guess now, win streak, mm-hmm. and won not one, but two playoff games already too you know if he won or even if he lost this game he would still be almost almost kind of undisputed this man is going to be the starter for next year Uh, but now that's all up in the air now because of such a terrible injury happening so it's not just loss for the Niners but for Purdy himself you know who knows what will happen after this injury will he be the same person young guy too so like you know is he gonna his instincts really going to be the same after having not played football for so long so uh just really sad honestly we have another quarterback situation yet again with you know this terrible injury happened to Purdy exactly the most unfortunate part isn't really that the Niners lost in my mind it's really what's going to happen to Brock Purdy in his career his story is one that defies literally any single odd that we can think out there for him to have come in this situation not even a Hollywood writer could come up with a script like that and make it believable and it's really easy to get caught up in just the pure optics and the narrative of it. But if you also watched how he was playing, 
over those seven games where he led the Niners to victory, he did so in an extremely impressive fashion. And he showed and demonstrated a lot of good things that would make it very clear to the Niners brass and coaching staff that he more than deserved to be the QB1 going into next season. And so the UCL tier, you know, what he was describing in the postgame presser is that he had a lot of spasms and he felt a general sense of numbness uh, in his lower arm, which is really concerning because he literally had no true feeling in career with the ball. And throughout the offseason, um, there was some chatter, according to his tr- uh, growing motion coach, that Brock Purdy wanted to rework his mechanics over the offseason. And so now his progression is a QB his ability to develop has not been pushed way further along. And that too, you have to question, can he even heal fully to the portion where he once was before making those developments? And so I just feel really sorry for Brock Purdy that he's in this situation because although all injuries happen, it's really rare for someone of Brock Purdy's position to have gotten to this point and to have shown that he earned the QB1 position. And now, that's probably going to be snapped from him. So I am just truly, truly despondent about that outcome for him. If he has Tommy John surgery, um, Tommy John, for those unaware, is a pitcher surgery usually, and they have to reconstruct the entire UCL ligament. It's going to be even more time, maybe up to a year, and he might never be the same, right? Uh, Nick Mullins, back in 2020, he had to have Tommy John surgery after it. And honestly, he never was the same after that. He he had a not-so-powerful arm, and now it's not even, like, it's not there anymore. So Purdy is not known to have a cannon of an arm either, so I'd be very concerned about his arm strength and then, therefore, whether he can be the starter anymore um, with that decreased ability out there. And then also stunting that development. So, um, yeah, it's it's an overall tough break, and I hope he makes a full recovery. Um, how but, about yep? How about the elephant in the room here? Yeah, are we all kind of in general agreement that when well, we talk about the right elephant here, I'm saying like, okay. are we all in kind of agreement that Garoppolo's out? There's no oh, way he's oh, that was the the, yeah, one, right? That's the elephant. No, I, I I was you know I he's already out in my mind. Like okay. I don't That's basically I don't hate at him. this point. Like, I don't. There's nothing, like, I have nothing against Jimmy G, honestly. Like, especially when he came back and he decided to, you know, be the guy again, even though the Niners basically told him to shove off, right? And he came back, he won a lot of games with them, and then he was going to try to take him to the Super Bowl again. And that would have been a great story. Even, let's say, they make it to the Super Bowl right now, he'd probably be the starter now, right? That'd be crazy. But... You know, obviously that didn't happen. But I wish Jimmy the best of luck. But I don't think they have the ability to sign him, first of all. And I think that it's more than time to part ways at this point. I think they both exhausted the relationship to a point where it's like, maybe it's best if both parties move on at this point, right? Maybe toxic if he stayed. (laughs) Yeah. What I was thinking about is Trey Lance. Like, we got to talk about Trey Lance because every single, like... Every single thing points back to the part where, hey, wait a second, Trey Lance was supposed to be the starter this season, but we're talking about Jimmy G coming back. We're talking about Brock Purdy being the starter. We're talking about Tom Brady coming back in or, like, coming in, right? Wait, Trey Lance is still here, right? They spent three first-round picks on him. 
I'd say the betting favorite right now for the Niners quarterback room is still Trey Lance because I don't think we've seen what the kid can do yet, honestly. Because he's literally just like, he's a kid out there. He hasn't had a lot of playing experience and the only way he's going to be able to develop out there is if he gets that experience. The only issue that you see with Trey Lance is that he has so little experience and you have such a talented roster right now. You're in a championship window that you can't afford to take time to spend on uh, basically a rookie quarterback at this point when you have your window open now. Christian McCaffrey's here now. Kittle, Ayuk, Debo. We haven't even talked about Ayuk probably needing an extension too. Maybe they let him walk because they don't have a lot of money, right? But this is your championship window. And if you can't, and if Trey Lance can't get you to the same point that Brock Purdy could, then, you know, you're wasting your window. And I don't want to, you know, criticize Trey Lance because we haven't even seen him take a snap yet. But I think that's what Kyle Shanahan's going, like, that's what's going through his mind too, right? He's saying, you know, am I really going to have my only option at quarterback this next season where we could potentially win it all, right? Now that we have Christian McCaffrey for the entire offseason, right? Now I can think of a whole lot of plays for him, right? Who even knows what we could bring in next um, season, right? But it's all dependent, basically, on the most valuable position in the NFL. And I don't think that Trey Lance is a bust. I don't think that he's a bad quarterback yet. We have to actually see him play in order to figure that out. But I do think that if that happens, if there's a chance that he could, then you're really wasting the window here. So, I mean, I'm saying 60% Trey Lance probably as a starter, and I'll welcome it. But I think that's a question that's going through Shanahan's mind that wasn't before. Mm -hmm. I think a parallel... It's in my for some reason I'm thinking for this in my head and as a Bayer sports fan is for some reason I'm thinking Lance is pretty analogous to like James Wiseman for the Warriors and that you know both are both are clearly picked as kind of raw prospects but very high potential. Both played very few games in their respective uh, sports. Both kind of you know they played for a bit and then they had a pretty big kind of injury. They went they couldn't develop clearly stunted that and there's kind of rumors going around you know is Wiseman a bus you know and is Lance a bus of course Lance is you know he hasn't ha- even had like a, a solid chance yet over there so for Bayer sports fans that's kind of sitting in my mind over there that's actually really Lance accurate Wiseman. and plus they the Warriors also had a championship window full of talent right? right so like you know they can't afford to play the rookie just like you know Kyle Shanahan might think with Trey Lance but obviously Kyle Shanahan also knew that he had a Super Bowl caliber roster when he drafted Trey Lance so I think that was already the plan so I think that's what they're going to stick to but I'm just saying like I don't think they can afford Tom Brady if he wants 20 million a year even but you know if he is saying hey Kyle John one year five million I bring Gronk with me let's win for the bay get a super bowl <laughs> guaranteed super bowl let's go i walk off into the sunset basically this is my last year guaranteed but i want to do it for my hometown team i want one last chance to win it all what do you say what do you Sign say me up. brady's also going to bring the script writers along with him too so that'll definitely help us out <laughs> oh man honestly like have an 80 for brady it. part two if that's the case Yo. i'm done with that yeah 
If he Honestly, comes like, here and he gets to the Super Bowl, I'm gonna do an 80 for Brady. I'll bring all of you all along. Yeah, I honestly, like, you know, I brought up the hot take earlier, but personally, I'm thinking, you know what, do you really want to bring in, like, you know, it's Brady, but it's that, like, situation where you're bringing the veteran quarterback and you don't develop the young talent, kind of like what the Colts have been doing for the last, like, two, three years or so. Um, but honestly, when you put it like that, you know, the whole kind of riding off of the sunset, one more championship, clearly Brady can still play big arm or can still throw tons of times and then working with an offensive guru like shanahan that's another perfect storyline to end the most celebrated career in football and more than that just to help in the availability brady yeah. you can trust to take care of himself with his you know pseudoscientific methods and his <laughs> negative 5.725 ph water that he has to drink in his kombucha ale salads that he has three times before going to bed i don't know what it, what he does some booty black magic maybe but hey He's still playing at a very high level at his age. And I'd rather have that at this point. Availability is really the one thing. And, you know, people say that Shanahan's offense is plug and play for a QB, as Josh Johnson proves that isn't always the case. But throw someone into Shanahan's system, like Brady, and I think that you can have good things happen from that. You know, I've always tried to be a very conservative kind of thinker in terms of football and the transactions you make right you know you play it by the system right and the system usually says you know just draft well you know build up a good team and um you know you just try to do it the right way as people call it basically right and that's what shanahan and lynch have done they basically built this team from the bottom up they built up the trenches they got i know everything they need like what is this their sixth year in the nfl and they turned basically so, a barren yeah. team yeah they turned a barren team into a championship contender that just needs one thing which is quarterback and you look at the rams the rams basically sold everything to get to that point right they traded for jalen ramsey they traded um away what brandon cooks who else did they get they got traded for sue and a keep to lead that one year sue. right they kept yeah. trying to just sell their future to try and get you know a ring they traded for von miller too right and then they signed right. odell right so they, they they basically mortgaged their future for a ring and it worked right and i hate that philosophy i hate that you know you just go all in for one year and then you mortgage your future because what if it doesn't work plus how much how authentic does it feel right but i mean obviously i can't really you know relate because we didn't do that and we haven't won a ring but you know that's just how like my stance on that usually, but then you look at the Rams. You look at the Rams and you say, "Oh, but they won a ring," and you know, even though everything turned to crap afterwards, and they also traded for Stafford, right? That's a that's the biggest move that they made. They traded for Stafford and they won that ring. You know, I'm sure they feel pretty happy about that ring. The Bucks when they signed Brady and then they signed Antonio Brown and they signed Gronk and they did the whole win and in and they all went all in and they also got a ring out of it. Right, the Broncos in Super Bowl Fifty, they maximized the last year of Peyton Manning's uh, career, and even though he basically sucked at that, you know, end of that season, you know, they were able to get a championship with him. So you just have to wonder. And as a very, you know, I'm feeling in a pretty, you know, nihilistic mood myself here after losing, you know, another championship run the right way, right? At one. At what point do you just say, you know, fuck it, we just got to do something. We got to win a championship. Like, 
I'm tired of losing in the championship round and, you know, keeping all our draft picks or not just, you know, having another chance to win it all next year, right? I just want to win one right now. Like, it's getting to that point. And I totally, I think the McCaffrey trade wanted... exemplifies your, yeah. what you're saying the best. That's literally I think they're starting, the to get, they're starting to get impatient. Like, they traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance, right? They traded all these draft picks away for Christian McCaffrey. Usually, the running meme at the time, at the beginning of John Lynch's era, was that he always comes in second. He came in second for Josh Gordon. He came in second for Odell when he was traded to the Browns, right? Like, he always came in second. But now he's making these big moves, right? I think they were also interested in Stafford as well. And then the Rams got him, right? And then they had the trade. So then they went all in on Trey Lance, right? So you have to wonder, is it finally like time? They rejected Brady last time because they were coming off a Super Bowl loss with Jimmy Garoppolo. And they said, no, our team's fine. We just need to keep the chemistry intact, right? And Brady might disrupt that chemistry. He really might. If he might yell at our offensive line, basically, and just like completely fuck everything up, right? He'll get at odds with Shanahan about the scheme. Maybe that will happen. But you just have to wonder whether that's a risk you'll be willing to take. And all these years, I've said, no, I don't want that. <sighs> but Maybe desperate time. times. <laughs> I, it again. would be really cool. It'd be really cool to see Tom Brady in the red and gold. I that's think, all I'll like, say. If. If Brady comes here, if he does, it's definitely all in time. Like, put all your chips in the center of the board. Like, this is the Super Bowl season or bust. Because with the gravity that Brady brings, as he's done once, he's hopped to place to place or mainly to, mainly to Tampa Bay. He's going to attract all of those ring-seeking veterans <laughs> who yeah. will need, who want that ring, you know? That could definitely help bolster some of those areas we're targeting that, you know, defensive end, offensive line. He could bring some people to help with him, and then you'll have a competent team talent wise then just up to you know shanahan to create an offense create a team that will bring us the super bowl with brady at the helm there which would be a dream scenario for all niners fans <laughs> yeah and i feel like you can yeah obviously trey lance's growth will be stunted and that will hurt that will again hurt <laughs> yeah again. that will suck and i hate but it's a ring. i would feel for the kid i would feel for the kid so much but but it's God, a ring man it, you gotta you just gotta you know I'll just say that I've never been receptive to the idea of Tom Brady being a 49er. I've always said no instantly. But now I'm just saying two days after an NFC championship loss, I'll think about it. Like, that's just like, just, you know, maybe. And then also like, God, if he, can you imagine Gronk if he came? That'd I was just so thinking cool. that exact saw Kittle and Gronk on the yeah, same Kittle offense. Yeah, Kittle and Gronk. Good. Imagine instead of Tyler Croft uh, blocking let's Hassan Riddick. Let's see Hassan Gronk. Riddick versus Gronk. <laughs> Can you beat Gronk? Oh, my God. That means... I'm telling you, yeah, man. Fuck a it. team if that's I, already if replete that. with talent like the Niners getting Brady on top, that is the proverbial cherry on top. And I think that the Niners just have to go all on at this point. You know, Shanahan and Lynch have been talking a big game and They've mostly been able to back it up with how they've been performing throughout the years, but obviously they need to get over the final hump, and they have been very intent on going through with any move possible to improve the roster. Um, you know that Brady had the option to join the Niners after our last Super Bowl against the Chiefs, but the Niners process has to go in a different direction regarding that, and 
you have to think that the residual I, pain bites them and keeps them up at night a little bit. I, I think they made the right choice too. Like if you were in the exact same position, like if I was in that position at that time, let's not, you know, factor in any history that's occurred since then because that's hindsight. Right. It's hindsight bias, of course. But yeah. yeah, given everything that we knew at the time, the Niners made the decision that they felt was best. And at yeah. the time, it clearly looked at it like it was the most sensible one. Obviously, if they could have a do-over, they probably would take that, to be quite yes. frank. But I believe that they might just reconsider their stance on it once again. Because given availability and all of the parameters and the dynamics have shifted in the past crazy two years that the Niners have been through and all of the drama and the tumultuousness surrounding the quarterback room, you would finally think that they just give it one last shot and just go all in on a year for Mr. Brady. I'm very warm to the idea now. Like, God, I mean, this sounds like a fantasy, and honestly, it is at this point. I don't believe that Brady will be a Niner. That's just my <laughs> realistic view of it. But if he was a Niner, I'd be pretty happy. And I don't think I would have ever said that a couple years ago, or just even after this, like last year. After last year, if you said that, I wouldn't have said that, honestly. Like, you wouldn't have said that like an hour ago. <laughs> I think we're talking you into the whole Brady like, scenario. In, like on Saturday, on Saturday, I thought it would just be Brock versus Trey. I don't give a shit about Brady, right? But we're we're in a pretty dire position. Trey Lance is coming off ankle surgery, by the way. Like he's not even a guarantee that you know, like he's got a rehab too, right? So you know, you either start off with Lance and Purdy as quarterbacks, and then they might both not be really able to develop fully this offseason with the injuries or you have Brady and you maximize that window I think at the end of the day like let's just project the quarterback of the 49ers in 2023 I think it's Trey Lance but betting odds for me I would go most of the time Trey Lance would be the starter in this case but obviously the reservations to how Trey Lance is gonna be given his inexperience and also given the fact that he's been touted as a mobile quarterback and, you know, the ankle injury is going to definitely have some effects on him um, throughout the season and especially him ramping up to speed. Um, so I would say Trey Lance, but obviously, you know, I, you know, I think that Brady to the Niners is actually a real possibility, man. <laughs> I, I truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that because, I mean, not the perfect comparison, but people thought that Kevin Durant to the Warriors was a massive pipe dream. And although it didn't make sense on paper for him to join, you know, you couldn't imagine the social blowback that move would have and the rippling effects it would have on the NBA. Um, with Brady, the narrative just seems too perfect. They're both two parties, the 49ers and Tom Brady himself, that are looking for the same thing and are kind of aligned on their goals. Um, much like KD and the Warriors were. And so I think it's a partnership that just makes too much logical sense for both parties to not seriously pursue and consider. I think that the only drawback on whether this actually goes through wouldn't necessarily be on the intent of both sides, but rather, you know, the logistics of it all, like contract situation and whatnot. I think but I think they can make it work contract wise. They just backload something. But I think that Shanahan has to finally say basically yes basically all personnel decisions don't fall on john lynch it'll be on shanahan right 
So I think Shanahan has to be the one to say yes. And he's been pretty stubborn before in the past with some of his moves. He keeps drafting running backs in the third round even though it doesn't oh work. My. Right? Like, but he does it anyway. So yep, Trey Sermon, Ty Davis Price. Yeah, man. <laughs> Jordan Mason. Ridiculous. Okay. Jordan Mason, Jordan Mason he, uh, was he good. was undrafted. He was undrafted. Oh, See, totally it's always the undrafted free agent or the late round pick. So Trey Sermon was Mitchell Mitchell drafted. Was drafted. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell was sixth round. So he was sixth round. Yeah, so then you had Trey Mason, right? Is that his name? I even forgot it. No, Trey, Trey Sermon. Sermon. God Trey damn. Yeah, Trey Sermon. Jordan, Jordan Mason. Mason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Mason. What Trey Sermon was drafted Sermon? in the third. Eli Mitchell was the sixth, right? Eli Mitchell becomes the better player. You have Ty Davis Price, and you have Jordan Mason as an undrafted free agent. Jordan Wait. Mason does better than Ty Davis Price. If we draft Wait, another I... goddamn running back in the third, I will basically have to drive up to Kyle Shanahan and slap him. Wait, I have just made some fascinating discoveries. Take a wild guess what team Trey Sermon is on. Oh, Philadelphia. He's the Eagles. I, I know this. He's yeah. on the Eagles. Oh, you know because he was inactive, apparently. They said, oh. <laughs> they said like, they said Ty Davis Price and uh, Trey Sermon are looking at each other across the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> the revenge game of Trey Sermon. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But I guess for me, like, the starting quarterback for NFL, I'm still a big fan of, you know, I brought up, Brady, but I'm still a big fan of, you know, the underdog story of Brock Purdy himself there. I could definitely see, like, Lance maybe starting off the season just because Purdy's still recovering from injury, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Purdy takes the reins again midway later through the season, one way or another, and, you know, has a crazy run. Um, That's definitely something I want to see, kind of Purdy continuing to be great, because he definitely deserves that shot after, you know, it's just so unfair what happened to him, and not anyone's fault, just, you know, it's just so unfair what happened to him. He deserves that another shot again. Yeah, and to clear up a disparity on maybe the Eagles side, so we don't want to appear biased. But that was not a dirty hit by Hassan Reddick. No, That's not just, at all. it's just unfortunate. It wasn't. It, it just wasn't. what it yeah. is. Yeah. Again, if Rock Purdy, let's say, was maybe point one seconds faster, right? Maybe the arm moves in a different angle that allows it to not be as completely torn as it was, right? It's just a, it's an unfortunate injury. Um, you know, it doesn't happen. It's like, I can't just say, oh, complete UCL tears happen all the time, but it is a possibility in the game, right? So I don't think it was dirty at all. Um, you know, it's just the way it goes. Um, yeah, I think that is going to do it for this episode. I'm sure we will talk a lot more about the quarterback situation in the offseason, um, the draft, obviously. Um, it's going to be a big offseason for the Niners, for sure. Um, and to just end on an optimistic note, because I feel like we've been a little bit doom and gloom, obviously, but again, this is like two days after the NFC championship loss, but the future is so bright still, right? We, I felt like last season was a fluke, honestly, because we had an injured Jimmy G leading us to the NFC championship game. And I felt like, you know, that just felt like a magical Cinderella run. And with this season, I felt like you know, Kyle Shanahan really proved himself as not just a guy with, you know, an even record, basically. He's a guy who can not only get you into the playoffs, he can win in the playoffs. And you can't say that about a lot of coaches, right? Mike Brabel, you know, um, who else? I'm trying to think of who's that guy that I was just about to say. <sighs> Man. Uh, the Vikings coach? Oh, yeah. Kevin O'Connell, know. right? O'Connell. Like, oh, yeah. Like, 
they're good and they you know they can win and they can get you there. Mike Lafleur, that's what I was thinking. No, Mike Matt Lafleur. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Matt Lafleur. I don't remember. Yeah. I think Matt Lafleur was the. Uh, yeah, Matt Lafleur, right? Like they Mike can Lefleur get each of the playoffs. Mike Lafleur was the Jets OC. Yeah, like they can get each of the playoffs, right? But I feel like I always believe in Kyle Shanahan's ability to win a playoff game, no matter what the kind of reputation around him may precede him. You still have to get to the Super Bowl in order to lose the Super Bowl, which is unfortunate. But, you know, (laughs) just have faith, guys. Like, we might be Charlie Brown kicking the football, but it's not like he ever gives up. (laughs) And maybe one day we'll kick that thing so far. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. That's the kick from Robbie Gould to win us the Super Bowl. We're the faithful. (laughs) 49 is faithful, man. That's what you got to do right now. Yes, bang bang, Niner gang, forever and always. Faithful to the Bay. That is going to do it for this show. Be sure to find us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also find our Twitter at Bay Council, as well as our Instagram, sports underscore council. That's C O U N S E L, to stay up to date on the latest and greatest of our sports takes. That is it for our show. Super Bowl 57, I believe, is coming up. Not looking forward to it as much as I could have, but, you know, should be a good one. Rihanna's back. Yep, Rihanna's back. I'll watch for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right, that'll do it. See you guys later.